0: Hey welcome to gracewalk radio i 'm your host Derek Lewandowski, here with my co host caleb berg howdy how 's the iceberg
1: iceberg as well feeling a bit icy this morning well
0: i 'll tell you what i you know i don 't know when this show's going to air but man it's uh, it 's Christmas season here and uh and with it has come the weather here in New York. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, it was a uh, it was a cold one this morning. Give you that much. Did you catch the it temperature? Was icy, about eight or something. Was like it there? really? I don't oh, know. Man. That's what
0: my phone said. I remember it was. I was getting gas at the uh, at the mobile over here last night, and the, the bank sign said twenty one degrees, which <laughs> is, uh, felt cold enough. And and supposedly the worst is yet to come. You know, so, New York, January, February are the yep. are the dip. You know, the low months, but well welcome welcome one, welcome all uh, where we here discuss at Grace Walk Radio living under grace in a modern world and the gospel in belief and practice. Our hope is to help you love Jesus more and uh, grow in your application of the gospel of grace and its centrality in your life, your heart, your affections, your mind. Your worship, your thoughts, because you know what, Caleb, Jesus is just worth it. Amen. He's just worth it. So, um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's start with our quote of the day.
1: Yeah. So uh, today's quote of the day comes from Dallas Willard. Um, they named the city of Dallas after him. Oh wow! I, a, I think no, maybe not. That's he, not his. He done here. good, <laughs> uh, but he writes. He says, uh, "Grace is not opposed to effort; it is opposed to earning." Well said. You know, one of the
0: common uh, objections you get to the grace of God is almost like it's a dirty word. Like, yeah. oh, don't preach grace too much. You talk about grace too much, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna end up licentious yeah. or, you know, not living a, a holy, godly <laughs> life. And uh, honestly, I appreciate that quote because that reminds us that grace is the balance. Yeah. You know, it makes me think of uh, Titus. I think it's two eleven and twelve when it says the grace of God has appeared to all men, bringing salvation, teaching us to deny ungodliness. So grace actually teaches us to live godly lives because it reshapes the motives motives of our hearts and it fills us with passion and zeal and love for God. So grace is actually um, the greatest teacher for. Good work, so I appreciate that. It's not opposed to, how did you say it? It's not opposed to... It's not opposed to
1: effort. It's opposed to earning. Yeah, so... Yeah, another way to look at that is it's, uh, it's not against working or striving, um, but we do so not for grace, but from grace. Yeah, right. Yeah. that's our starting point. Our starting point is grace. Our starting point is rest you know how do you how do you obey from a position of rest well you recognize that the power and the impetus and the the driving force behind your obedience and your works and your your living out on mission for Jesus Christ is all powered by God yeah. you don't have to earn his good favor you don't have to earn brownie points or a sticker at the end of the day you're working knowing that everything that you need all godliness is wrapped up in Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah, and of course, people object and say, "Well, well you know, if, if you take away the threat of mm-hmm. of punishment or um, you know fear of judgment, uh, if you if you take that out of the gospel, uh, you'll lose all motivation for good works." Mm-hmm. And that's not true. That is, that's not true. Uh, James said, "Perfect." not James, uh, John said, yeah. perfect love casts out fear. Yeah. And uh, because fear involves punishment, and he said, because we believe that God is love, we, he says, we have no fear. In, in, we have confidence in the day of judgment. Yeah. And so what gave John that confidence? You know, what, what gave John that, what took away his fear? It was the love of God, the perfect yeah. love of God in Jesus Christ. And, and when you understand grace and when your faith is in the cross to save you and not any form of self-salvation, it does have a purifying effect for your motives. Because if you believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ, then why fear? Yeah. Why fear punishment? There's no wrath left for me. My, my yeah. sins have been judged in Christ already. And then and, and on the other side, how can you be self-righteous? How can you have religious arrogance? You're a rescued person. Yeah. And like we talked about with Kevin Maloney from Grace Road uh, on, our, on our Doctrine podcast a few weeks ago. Uh, Rescue people are not arrogant people. Um, yeah. You know, somebody saved from uh, drowning in the, in the ocean who's brought up on the ship isn't like, man, did you see me treading water? I was amazing. Did you see that? No, they're, they're grateful. They're just, yeah. they're relieved. Yeah. So grace has a way of purifying out those toxic motives that might otherwise motivate someone to do works fear, religious pride. And it leaves the motivation of love. Yeah. And uh, that is a very compelling motivation for good well, works.
1: You know, what I've seen in my own daughter's heart is you know, there are certain times in her life though short as it has been, um she's only 5. Um <laughs> when she's motivated by guilt or fear, it, I don't have her heart. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's I'm doing this so I don't get in trouble. I don't I don't want to I don't want to, you know, get something taken away. But if it's motivation Uh, by gratitude and love, there's a whole different heart that goes into what she's doing. And, you know, we're constantly reminded in Scripture to have faith like a child, and I think that reverberates for us, you know, like, if I'm doing something motivated by guilt, I'm going to be looking over my shoulder the whole time, I'm going to be, you know, doing this just so I don't get in trouble. There's no love in that. No,
0: and, you know, and if you look at, you know, maybe it's another podcast, you know, topic, but... If you look at like the trend of deconversion hmm. you know the the drop off of you know people kids who grow up in church who drop off between their you know high school graduation and the end of their college years it's a, you know it 's a massive drop off One very common uh, thread is legalism yeah. <clears throat> that they they grew up in an environment where they 're motivated by Uh, guilt or, you know, or they were around that, that religious pride. And and it was about, uh, it was about earning and they never really grasped the gospel. So they're, they think they're rejecting uh, Christianity, but they, they, they may have gotten a form of godliness that had no power in their lives, and of course, I'm not going to blame the church for all that. Jesus said that some of the seed would just be stolen by Satan, yeah. and that the sinfulness and deceitfulness of the world would take some away. So, I'm not going to just, you know, bang on the church here and say it's all, it's all the church's fault. That's I think our our generation's famous for doing that. Yeah. It's also just sin, indwelling sin. Yeah. But um, I think sin is stimulated by. Uh, false gospel or yeah. legalism or a mis- misunderstanding of the gospel. And so I think a lot of the the deconverted, you will find that they really never did grasp justification yeah. by faith and, and what grace really
1: means. You know, and we have scriptural evidence of people who at one point in their life didn't understand grace as well. Um, and we even have gospel heroes mm-hmm. like that, like today's gospel hero, James. <laughs> hey,
0: what a good segue. I mean, you did it. You, you know, you're good at keeping us on track because I'm just, uh, yeah, I just sometimes I just talk. and uh, You're a teacher who talks? Uh, yeah. You, you, got, you got your eye on our talking points, which are up here on our whiteboard and the clock, so appreciate that. Yeah, we're talking about James today. Uh, we've been in this uh, ongoing uh, podcast series, Grace According To, so we talked about grace. ...according to the Old Testament, grace according to Peter, and then Paul. Today we're talking about grace according to James, but let's start with our Gospel Hero segment and just talk about James himself.
1: We're going to use this segment to talk about James, who um, was the brother of Jesus. Um, He was very prominent in the early church, um, but growing up with a half-brother like Jesus, half-brother because James was the son of Mary and Joseph, Jesus was the son of Mary... And God, right, so he's the half brother of Jesus, uh, but he didn't follow Jesus during jesus' earthly ministry um, in fact, um, it is believed that he probably thought his brother to be crazy um, he thought Mary was crazy for following after her son in that um, regards, but Jesus after he was crucified, buried, and raised from the dead, appeared to james and this guy who goes from not understanding grace and not understanding who the Messiah was sees the power of grace in front of him. And it's believed that after seeing the resurrected Jesus he immediately immediately was converted.
0: Well, what does that tell you when your own brother believes? I mean, yeah. think about it. Like if if your brother walks in the room and goes, I'm the king of America <laughs> you're gonna be like, Okay, bro, Let me get you some help. Yeah. Go clean up your mess over there. Yeah. Um, I mean, the tendency to roll your eyes at your brother, I think every sibling that's ever lived has experienced that. So the fact that James was so convinced that his own brother, who he thought was crazy at one time, was the risen Christ to the point where he wrote an epistle, and I think it's commonly believed that he was the pastor, the lead pastor sort of 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 the church in Jerusalem the Jewish church. Uh, The fact that he came into that place in his life and that understanding and belief tells you that he was convinced by something. He, he must have seen the risen Christ. He, he must have been convinced by the, the testimony of his brother to the point where the rolling of the eyes went away.
1: Yeah. You know, and, we look at people like thomas who we've lovingly given the name doubting thomas he wasn't the only one who doubted he's not the only one who since the time of christ has doubted but um as i mentioned in a message a couple weeks ago here at grace life um jesus brings hope to the doubter and though james during the earthly ministry of christ did not believe we see the evidence of grace in his life um he did Um, pastor. He was considered to be the lead elder at the church in Jerusalem. Um, There were a lot of guys named James during this time, um, but most scholars do believe that the one that wrote the book of James, the one that we see um, having sway in Jerusalem is the brother of Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, Other James have either faded out of the picture by that point in time, won't get into all the nitty-gritty details, but if you want to, Email me. I love to have these conversations. Um, but uh, James, he truly believed, and so much so that we have one of the more unique uh, testimonies of martyrdom um, from him. So James, in about 62 AD, was charged with disobeying the law. That was the official the official, um, and of course, crime. And of course, they mean the law of the Moses. The law of Moses. Um, by preaching Christ. And so uh, they condemned him to death, and they took him to the top of the temple. And and this account is um, rendered by some of the early church historians. Um, They took him to the temple, and they threw James from the, the highest pinnacle. And the fall actually didn't kill him, although it severely injured him. He managed to rise to his knees and prayed out loud, I beg of you, Lord God, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. And the Pharisees and the priests that were on the ground began to stone him, and one rushed forward with a staff or with a club and uh, bashed him in the head, killing him with one blow.
0: He believed, didn't he? Again, he saw something. Mm Mm-hmm that so convinced him. He saw it with the eyes of his heart, and he also saw it with his physical eyes. He saw his brother, who was condemned and executed and buried, he saw him alive. Jesus is the Christ, and his own brother affirms that. And in his epistle, um, James helps us, I think, understand the nature of faith. We always talk about how we're saved by grace through faith. We're justified by faith alone. You know, the, the, the mantra of the, of the Reformers, mm-hmm. the solas of the Reformation. You know, faith alone, grace alone, Christ alone. Um, and yet James helps us define what faith really is. Yeah. Um, faith has a character to it. It has a, a certain nature to it. And for that reason, I think, Caleb, uh, there have been some who have wanted to dismiss James, because he actually does talk about works and the, the, the place of works in, tr- in true Christian faith and in the context of true Christian faith. I think actually at one point, I don't know where Martin Luther ended yeah. uh, his perspective on this, but at one point I think Martin Luther wanted to uh, remove James from the canon yeah. uh, of Scripture. Um, thankfully, he did not have the authority to do that. <laughs> um, but I think the point is taken that um, I think those who love grace – and those who love uh reform theology and you know the doctrines of grace and have a high view of a you know big god theology um I think it some have uh been troubled yeah, yeah by the book of James
1: well you know I think we we can look at a book like James and see some wording that maybe we equate more with things like works based religion, and uh, we do get a little bit. Bristled by it, we're a little bit. It rubs us the wrong way, um, but I think like with anything that's in the Word of God, uh, we need to we need to read it in context. We need to read it in fullness, not just pick out like cherry pick little passages and say, "Oh, see, he talked about works, so he he doesn't know the gospel." Um, I I believe that God sovereignly put the book of James in the Bible Amen. for a reason. I believe that it was inspired by God. It's not this book that somehow just made it, um, it met the criteria to be considered canon. Um, and I believe that we can trust that the Holy Spirit knew what he was doing with this, just like we trust the Holy Spirit with the other books of the Bible, the Pauline epistles. Um, it was an earlier book. Um, you know, James was dead by 62 AD, so it was written somewhere between 40 AD and 62 AD. Um, Some of the more Pauline ideas hadn't been expressed at that point, Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't think that that says that the book of James is like gospel light. This isn't the diet soda of the gospel. There is gospel truth throughout the book of James, and I think it's – honestly, the book of James is one of my favorite books. I I love reading the book of James. It reads to me like the Sermon on the Mount part two. Um, You can see some of the similarities in the way James talks and the way Jesus talks, um, they were brothers. They grew up together. Mm-hmm. They probably shared some linguistical patterns and whatnot, but James presents grace in a way that James experienced grace. Well, let's look at it, you know, um,
0: because we're not afraid to deal with this right. topic,
1: <laughs> right? Because we are on one,
0: one two, three. We're going to do one, two, three. We are one, two, three. Grace Walk Radio. radio. Okay.
1: I didn't know where you go. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right here we, here we go we're going to james chapter 2 is where we're going james chapter 2 here we go i'm just going to read a couple of verses famous verses at least uh, uh one verse in particular here that uh, is is often quoted and requoted. verse 14 james 2 what good is it my brothers if someone ha- says he has faith but does not have works can that faith save him if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? Actually, this this is the most famous verse. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Okay. So what is James doing here? Is he saying that our works save us? No, he's saying that true biblical faith is marked by... Hmm. Uh, Good works. So in other words, you don't do good works to have faith. You do good works because you have faith. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't, I don't do good works to become a child of God. I do good works because I am a child of God. Same idea. And so what we're really talking about here, the heart of this whole thing is what is the cause and what is the effect of the gospel? What is true Gospel teach what does grace teach Grace teaches that the the cause uh, is the cause of the Gospel is faith yeah it's justification okay the effect is works or sanctification okay in other words. When you believe in Christ and his finished work, the Holy Spirit indwells you, he fills you up, you begin to bear the fruit of the Spirit, and the effect of your faith is good works. That's what Galatians 5 and the fruit of the Spirit is all about. Um, you might say that's what the whole book of Galatians is about, <clears throat> is that the fruit of biblical faith in Christ is the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruit of James, not the fruit of Derek or Caleb. It's the fruit of the Spirit. So if your faith is truly in Christ, it will, God produces God, right? The Holy Spirit produces himself in the believer. And so the, the fruit of faith in Christ, the effect of faith in Christ is good works. And that's what James is talking about. If he's saying, if you say you have faith, but you don't love people, if you're full of, Functional hatred, if you're full of, um, if, if you don't bear one another's burdens, if you're indifferent, that's not faith. That's not what faith looks yeah. like. It's not the nature of faith. And you know, if you go back to Galatians, Paul is really saying, when he's talking about the fruit of the Spirit and then the deeds of the flesh in the same breath, he's not saying, don't do this and do that. In context, in Galatians 5, when he gives the deeds of the flesh, the deeds of the flesh are mm-hmm. evident, you, you know, all these wicked sins that he lays out. And then he says, and the fruit of the Spirit is obvious. He's saying, here's how you know if you're in Christ. Here's how you know if you have biblical faith. So Paul really is saying the same thing that James James is saying yeah. in uh, in Galatians 5, and that is that if you have biblical faith in Jesus Christ, that becomes a, an engine, a power source That produces God, godliness in you. It produces the fruit of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, etc. I guess one thing I could add to this is back in early Galatians, Paul is confronting the false teachers that had come in that that had basically said, you're saved by works. Uh, They wanted to make the cause of our salvation uh, works uh, instead of the effect of our salvation And Paul says, there are some who trouble you and want to distort you. That word distort literally means reverse. Mm -hmm. And so think about that. What false teaching does is it reverses the order of the gospel for salvation. Okay? So biblical gospel says the cause of our salvation is faith in the finished work of Christ. The effect is works. Or I'll say it this way. The cause is justification the effect is sanctification. Paul saying the false teachers reverse the gospel. Yeah. So they put sanctification then before justification. So how does it sound? It sounds like the cause of your salvation is your sanctification. You you be really holy, you do good works, you be you be a godly person and the effect of that is justification. I hear that stuff preached all the time. But that is not the Christian gospel. Right. Um I mean, that's actually every other every other false yeah. religion in the world says that.
1: You know? And that's not what James is saying. Right. And that, you know, James is not reversing the course, he's not coming into um, a situation like Paul was coming into where he's dealing with these people trying to reverse it, so to speak, although I think James definitely did deal with that, with the the contingent of the Judaizers, but what i think james's starting point is in the book of james if you if you look through the first chapter he's talking to some very young believers they're already justified they're believers and so james is starting with the idea that these these people that i'm writing to are believers and historically what we see is that they were kind of really un not not uneducated as in they were like stupid or something but they were they just didn't know the gospel and so they kind of viewed salvation as okay I got that cool now what right. you know and so James writes to them and is is teaching them um what the gospel of grace looks like and and like you said earlier kind of a, a an explanation of faith in a way that they weren't aware of they weren't they didn't know that yet And I think in that light, when we look at it from that standpoint, we won't arrive at the conclusion that, like we mentioned earlier, that Martin Luther ended up with. We end up with a um, more gracious view of this as this was some early teaching on the gospel that even today, I need, and you need, and we all need. Um, Faith that is without works is dead. means it wasn't real. Right, Exactly.
0: Yeah, so you don't do good works to make it real. Yeah, he's saying if it is real, it will have it will have good works. Uh, It'll look like Jesus, and and that's what Paul is saying in in Galatians five. And actually, the word Paul uses to describe good works—if you want to know a good like one-word summary of good works in you know under grace—he says it's adornment. Mm. You adorn your life with good works. So think about that. Uh, what's adornment? It's just decor, Yeah. right? Like, you already have the substance, but you're decorating it. So you already have salvation. You already have relationship with God. You're not earning it. Yeah. We're not reversing the gospel and saying, be sanctified, do good works, earn your way to God, climb the mountain, and then you'll achieve your justification. You'll achieve your salvation. That's not what James is saying. It's right. not what Paul's saying. It's not what the gospel says. We're saying that because we are in Christ, we will... Produce the life of God within us, which bears the fruit of the Spirit, and that becomes adornment. It makes Jesus look beautiful. It makes the faith look beautiful when you adorn it with good works. Yeah. And, uh, and that's true, isn't it? I, mean, I remember the story I heard of um, a group of pastors who were in an airport, hmm. and uh, they were rushing to a gate for a flight. They were going to be late, and they knocked over an apple cart. <laughs> And one of the pastors who told the story looked, and he realized that the cart was run by a blind girl, mm-hmm. and all the other pastors are running off and just didn 't even look and <laughs> he 's like i couldn't yeah. i couldn 't do it i couldn 't keep running and so he said i 'm going to miss my flight and so he stopped and helped her pick up the apple cart she 's crying and he puts everything back, and you know he's kind to her, and then she said to him, "Are you Jesus <laughs> what did he do he 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 made he made his faith look beautiful. Yeah. So much so that she accused him of being Christ. And isn't yeah. that what the word Christian means, yeah. right? Little Christs. So we're not we're not teaching some uh reformed version of legalism here.
1: Yeah. Well the beautiful example of that story is that he didn't walk away going Whew, proved my faith. Right. You know, he walked away knowing that what he did was what like, it was in him. It was a right. natural outflow of his grace, of the grace that had been given to him, yeah. a natural outflow of the faith that um, the Holy Spirit had planted in his heart. Um, there's an organicness to it. You know, we constantly use analogies related to farming, not just because we're surrounded by a bunch of cornfields, but because that is a good analogy. I mean, the Bible uses the farming analogy all the time. Seed produces what? Fruit. Yeah, and in right. order for seed to turn into a beautiful tree or a stalk of something and then produce a fruit, um, you know it it has to be has to be watered, it has to be fed, um, but it's not something that that tree or that stock goes, oh, if I can just grow one more apple,
0: yeah, and you can't staple Ooh. or tape apples yeah. to
1: it and make it an apple tree. it, it right. bears
0: apples because
1: it's an apple it's tree. An apple tree yeah um, and I think that ultimately. Um, is the type of works that James is getting at. Um, there's some words we like to use when we talk about it, but you can't just have orthodoxy, which is what you believe. Right. Proper orthodoxy will produce orthopraxy, proper orthopraxy, right. which is living. So, what I believe produces what I'm living, and um, in this instance, faith produces what? It yeah. produces works.
0: Right. Yeah, and if you have orthodoxy but don't have orthopraxy, sorry, but that is a form of heresy. Yeah. You've denied the faith. If you, if you preach a God of love who went to a cross and you bear no cross and you, you're not willing to bear one another's burdens as Christ did, what does that say to people? What does that say mm. to your church community? What does that say to the world? So we got to pay – we're not apologizing for James here. Right, right. right. Let, we got to pay attention to what he's saying here and make sure that we're zealous for good works. Um, as Dallas Willard said, not to earn, right? Christ's work saves us, right? We are saved by works, Christ's work. Um, But the good works become, they beautify our faith and beautify what we believe. And, um, you know, in the same way that, um, you know, you and I have grace for one another in fantasy football. (laughs) That was a segue. (laughs) (laughs) That was a segue to yeah we forgot that segment I didn't of course, do so good people as good people week. are waiting here. they're like, Are you guys gonna talk about <laughs> so here's what I got uh looks like uh icebergs of wrath is in seventh place, and cool fish that's me is in eighth place, yeah, but you know what um, I don't see uh any haughtiness or arrogance in you, my brother. Um, just a little bit but if you look on the right side of that you'll see that the total points for the year i actually surpass you by almost 60
1: points well i had some interesting wins the last few weeks like
0: less than one
1: point you know Uh, unfortunately i could not take down birds.com this week you know who that is (laughs) that's your daughter that's my daughter um she'll let me know uh (laughs) But she ended up stomping me this week. So. Well, the good
0: news, though, is—and we'll keep our update short today—the good news is you and I are now in a battle Yes, for seventh place. That's right. Because we are in the consolation bracket. <laughs> Out of a 10-team league, we're in the bottom four, four right? We didn't get eliminated. So, yeah, we're battling for seventh.
1: Yeah. No, no. Is that right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're yes. battling for seventh place.
1: I think it was listed as the consolation. It is a
0: consolation. I feel, do you feel consoled? I do. I do. I feel consoled I as well. So— All right. Well, with that, um, go read the book of James, go read the book of James. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for, uh, what James teaches us, what you teach us about the nature of faith and about the nature of grace through the book of James. And, uh, we just ask you to help us to apply this. And when it's all said and done that we would do what James is talking about here, we would be loving because we've been loved. He's really talking about loving people. Well, that's, that's what the works are. It's love. Help us, Lord, to love people well, to love our family, our friends, uh, the Christians, the not yet Christians around us, those that we love and get along with, and those that we don 't help us, Lord, to uh, have your grace within us to love people well, and uh, we thank you for this time so you can um, you can follow Caleb at at Caleb Berg on Twitter and Instagram um, yeah. at Derek Levindusky on Twitter and Instagram. We also have uh, a Twitter, uh, Grace Walk Radio. Follow us there. Leave some comments. Ask questions. We appreciate your uh, your encouragement and support, and that you listen. Well, with that, we'll see you. Merry Christmas and a happy new year.